we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. This is Rick Green. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. I'm America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator out of Texas. Looking forward to hosting AFA at the Core on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Walker Wildman still with you on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then Fridays, I think we're going to flip a coin. Uh, no, most of the time I think it'll be Walker once in a while, me. But all throughout the week, just bringing you uh, really a, a, a biblical perspective on what's happening out there in the world and how it applies to these core issues that AFA stands for and that we're fighting for. Uh, if you're, uh, if you hadn't noticed, uh, we're in a, we're in a pickle here in America. We're in a, in a, a fight for the heart and soul of our nation. And so addressing the principles that produce Liberty versus the principles that it, uh, produce tyranny is essentially a daily battle. We've got to fight for truth in our country. We've got to each individually be willing to stand up for that truth. And thankfully, American Family Radio is a beacon of hope because it's teaching that truth throughout the day. And I'm thrilled to get to be with you at least twice a week on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, Thursday afternoons. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening today. I'm going to hit as many topics as I can in our short time together throughout this hour. But if you would like to join the conversation, I would love to hear your input and your questions. The phone number is 888-589-8888. That's 888-589-8840. If you're a first-time listener or first time you've listened uh, that that I've been hosting, you can learn more about me at patriotacademy.com, patriotacademy.com. That's where we do our youth leadership program, our constitutional defense courses, our constitutional education, biblical citizenship, all of those things. You can learn more at patriotacademy.com. This first topic, I got to tell you, I have been just stressed out about this topic. I mean, I have been wringing my hands, uh, you know, violating biblical principles by worrying and fearing and being so concerned. I mean, it's just consumed me for at least the last 30 seconds. Yeah, the, the issue is the landmark ruling in New York that elephants do not have human rights. I, I know you were worried about it as well. I mean, I I know that it was you've been up late at night trying to figure this out, wondering what the court was going to do. Big, big ruling. The headline, no kidding, on Newsmax is landmark ruling in New York. Elephant denied human rights. Now, of course, I'm being tongue-in-cheek, but it does kind of highlight where we are in the culture, right? That, that we're debating. We're even having the conversation. We're even taking up the court's time over whether or not an elephant has human Right. An, an, an elephant has human. I, I, it's unbelievable. Here's the crazy part. The decision was not unanimous. The decision was 5-2. Who are these two judges and how did they get on the court if they think that an elephant has human rights? Folks, I mean, we don't know what a woman is. We, we are. I, this is I don't even know what to say about this. But anyway, 5-2 ruling, at least the majority said, nope, sorry. <laughs> You cannot use a writ of habeas corpus to protect the liberty uh, and the right of a human being uh, for an elephant. And, uh, yeah, this was a a serious case. I mean, they really did bring this happy. The elephant. It's an Asian elephant, lives in the Bronx Zoo, been there 40 years. 
and and get this the organization suing the non-human rights project the non-human rights project folks this is this is Romans 1 right the worship in the creation instead of the creator uh, this is a this is because we don't understand creation we don't understand the hierarchy of, of how god created things and we you know we just because we, we don't have a biblical worldview we become fools right the professing themselves to be wise they became fools this is this is the um this is some interesting evidence of that uh, according to the non-human rights project uh, she meaning the elephant she's a depressed screwed up elephant that's the that's the quote in in the in the article so they were suing to try to get i guess freedom for the elephant i'm not sure but basically doing it based on human rights um for an elephant okay that's all i can handle on that one got to move on but it caught my eye thought you were might have been up late trying to you know sweating out whether or not this elephant was going to have human rights but it definitely it definitely fits with our overall theme of biblical historical constitutional perspective we need to have those things to keep from moving into these insane policies that destroy a culture and destroy a nation so uh just a, a big announcement for you there elephants do not have human rights thank you very much new york got one right uh and they need to get rid of the two judges that said that elephants do have human rights how do you get on the high court in new york this was an appellate case it wasn't like some you know local goofy you know organization or homeowners association or you know this was the high court that I, I just i'm i'm well i'm almost speechless my wife says i'm never speechless maybe maybe there are things that may i don't i don't think it's ever happened uh listen my friend kirk cameron has a great movie out tonight's your last chance to watch it in the movie theater it's called homeschool awakening and uh, love Kirk and what he's doing. You know, he and Chelsea just, I, I think for such a time as this, they had an awakening on how they wanted to educate their kids. And they just want to come alongside people and encourage them. And I actually got to hear Chelsea, um, oh, what was it, last weekend or weekend before last time flies? Anyway, she spoke at the Texas Homeschool Coalition uh, convention in, in Houston, big convention. And um, it was powerful, man. I mean, she just did a fantastic job. Anyway, love the Camerons. Great, uh, uh, great, great couple and uh, doing a lot for really restoring the culture. Kirk's actually, you know, he teaches the first night in our biblical citizenship class. So if you're if you haven't signed up to be a coach, it's free, by the way, all of our Constitution classes, biblical <laughs> biblical citizenship classes, all of them are free. And, and Kirk does the first night of our eight week class. And, uh, and now also has this American Campfire Revival that we're doing through Patriot Academy. So it's another way for you to get people together and study the Constitution, study the Declaration, study history, study these principles. Um, but uh, besides all of that, busy guy, the homeschool awakening is in theaters tonight. It was in theaters last night. And easiest place to go is KirkCameron.com. Just go to KirkCameron.com. You'll see the, the banner thing there, and you can find a theater near you to go see the movie. And then also keep scrolling down, and you'll see American Campfire Revival, and you can uh, get connected with us at Patriot Academy and become a campfire coach. Very cool stuff there and amazing material. We just did a live class last night. Actually, we were wrapping up a five-week class um, you know, where we went through the videos with Kirk Cameron and Marshall Foster where they're sitting around the fire talking about these things. And then we just did kind of a live Q&A and, and took questions and commented on it. Had a great time. Uh, really, really powerful information. Should give you hope. So let's um, let's jump into some of the other headlines of the day. Uh, we've, of course, you know, still dealing with food shortages, baby formula issues, I just want to I just want to talk a little bit about what causes these things, because sometimes we think, you know, that this stuff is happening because of, 
of uh, you know bad players in the market or whatever, it's almost always always bad players in government causing it. It's friction in the market where government is inter intervening, creating friction between consumers and providers. The beauty of free enterprise, in fact, Kirk and, and Kirk Cameron and Marshall Foster cover this in American Campfire Revival. The beauty of the free market is that I don't get blessed by you with dollars until I bless you with some product or service. And so therefore I have this incentive to give you the best product or service I possibly can. And so the better I do at producing a good product, the more I get rewarded with the dollars. And, and same for you and whatever you do. You don't get rewarded with dollars for your job or whatever it is that you do unless you do a good job. And when government intervenes, it 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 it, it, it fractures that. It, it creates friction by, by basically confusing the market and sometimes paying people even if they don't. Per, you know, give a good product or service to other people or buying a product or service, even if it's not blessing people, it's it, it's flawed or it's just not the best that it could be. And so instead of somebody being incentivized to make that product the best that they can, they're like, hey, I get paid anyway. The government government's going to give me the check. So why should I innovate? Why should I provide good customer service? I mean, if you want a perfect example is this, just think about what it's like every time you go to the DMV to renew your license or every time you go to the post office and you have to stand in line and deal with usually people that don't want to serve you well because their job doesn't isn't in danger. They don't have to serve you well to get paid. Those are government uh, guarantees and they prevent the product from being good, from, from, from uh, producing what people really want. And so that's what you're actually seeing with all of the shortages, with the supply chain issues. All of that is government interaction and government intrusion in the market, causing the market to be manipulated and not uh, as good as it would be otherwise. Give you a couple of examples on this. I was just reading um, um, my buddy Rick Manning has a website called dailytorch.com and he always has good, good commentary. And he had an article on there today that is saying, it says that I, this blew my mind. I, I, I had to check these numbers. The federal government is sitting on 22 million acres of farmable land during a global food crisis. Now, now just let that sink in for a minute. Most people don't know that the, unless you're in agriculture, or in my case, I was in the legislature and served on the Ag Committee in Texas, if you're not in that arena, you don't realize we are using your money to pay people not to farm. We're paying people to sit on their land and not farm. Now, it's all under the auspices of erosion and saving the farmland and all that. Well, who do you think is more likely to do whatever it takes to save their farmland and make it last as long as possible? the family that owns the farmland maybe and is either going to benefit or lose if they don't take care of their land or some government bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. that has never even visited that land, never even been on that land and has zero interest, does not benefit or lose if the if the land benefits or, or loses. Does that make sense? I mean, who's going to take care of it? The people that own it. So this whole idea of, of, of having government pay people not to farm, we've been doing it for decades and decades and decades. It is foolish, foolish, foolish. It, it's friction in the market. It, it manipulates the prices. It manipulates the supply and not in a good way. Central planners never make better decisions than the 300 million individuals making those decisions. The chaos of the market. You probably didn't have an economics class in school if you went to school the last 20 years. But if you went to school more than 20 years ago, you might have had an economics class where you learned about a guy named Adam Smith. 
And Adam Smith talked about the invisible hand. And that's essentially the chaos of the market. It's allowing all of these individual decisions to produce a far better outcome than any central planner could possibly do. So I thought this article was really informative and, and it just reminded me of how silly it is that we have a Department of Agriculture at, at the federal level. And I can remember even 20 years ago driving through Washington, D.C. and driving down, uh, I can't remember the road, well, there's multiple roads, um, around the Department of Agriculture. It is a massive, massive building. In fact, it's multiple buildings. I don't know how many employees they have. Uh, it's billions of dollars wasted. And the building itself, I'm driving and driving and driving and still driving by the, the Department of Agriculture. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world are all these central planners doing? What a waste of money to be paying all of them to have government jobs. But also, what a what a problem for our farmers and for people you know, back home and, and for the market itself. Uh, it's just insanity. And we continue to do it. And I thought this article was a great reminder that here we are in a food crisis. Um, you know, apparently seven million people have died globally, uh, you know, from from uh, covid and and nine million uh, are going to die from starvation because of the things that we're doing. I mean, that's that's the insanity and the stupidity of what we do, um, not just in America, but around the world on these government interventions. So hopefully, hopefully we can learn the lessons and we can see the bad results of what we're getting. It's not just the, you know, general wheat and, and, and essential uh, ag products. It's the baby formula situation. Talked about it last week. That was created by the FDA. The FDA created that problem. And the solution from the politicians in Washington, D.C. is to give more money to the FDA, to hire more regulators to harass businesses around the country, to shut down entire plants and then create a baby formula problem across the nation. I just have to repeat, Ronald Reagan, 1981, his inaugural address, government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. It's not that government's bad. It's not that government's not a God-created institution. It is, but government is the problem when it gets out of its lane. If it stays in the lane and it's in the design, the way that God designed it and the way that our founding fathers specifically designed it here in America, it's a blessing gets out of its lane it's an absolute curse whose job is it to keep it in its lane that's right that's right you ought to feel a little tap on the shoulder right now your job my job we the people we got to hold them accountable lots more for you today on afa at the core i'm rick green we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back on afa at the core I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. What are gates? They are defensive tools used to keep stuff out, to keep an advancing force at bay. Too often the enemy is successful in putting Christians on defense. When the facts are, the Lord established his church as an aggressive, offensive, territory-taking body. The Lord never meant for us to sit on the sidelines of life or to cower in the corner as a result of the wickedness in our culture. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The light of the world cannot be contained. The Lord is building his church and the manby-pamby gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. As citizens of the United States of America, we enjoy many freedoms. The freedom of speech, of religion, of expression. We have much to celebrate as Americans, and each year in June, we as a nation celebrate Flag Day. It's a day to honor the history of our flag and our nation. The American flag represents freedom and justice for all. While being an honorable citizen of this nation is admirable, we as Christians are ultimately citizens of heaven. This Flag Day, consider how you and your daughter might honor the stars and stripes and God by serving her fellow neighbor. Bring patriotic cookies to a food bank. Donate three pairs of shoes, one red, one white, and one blue to your local women's shelter. Or gift a new flag to a veteran in your neighborhood. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The Ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. We're back here on AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. Thanks for listening in. You can join us in the conversation by calling 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Talking offline with uh, producer extraordinaire Bobby when we were talking about even the constitutional part of this thing. I think that's so true. It's, it should be pointed out. You know, Show me in the Constitution where there's a Department of Agriculture that should be spending all this money or, or have the power to come in and tell you what you can do with your land. It's not there. Nowhere in the Constitution. In fact, um, you know, we, we teach in our Constitution class, uh, this is one of the greatest abuses is the Department of Agriculture. And even if you go back to some of these crazy Supreme Court decisions that upheld uh, these unconstitutional federal mandates on, on farmers, the big one was called Wickard v. Filburn, and, and, and it basically said, that even if you are not selling your wheat uh, to anybody, even if you're not involved in commerce, because they use the Commerce Clause in the Constitution to do this out of Article 1, Section 8, but even if you're not selling your wheat, so you're not involved in commerce, the Supreme Court said, well, if you had sold your wheat, it might have lowered the price or affected the price somehow, and therefore uh, the possibility of you doing it allows us to come in and put all of our government regulations on you. Just, just absurd. I mean, it's uh, it's an absolute out of their lane situation with agriculture, with with the FDA, with so many things that the federal government's doing. Not constitutional, uh, but unfortunately, two things happened that that allowed these massive expansions of the federal government. The first thing was 1913, the Seventeenth Amendment. 
was ratified, and the 17th Amendment got rid of the election of senators, U.S. senators, by the legislature. So used to, and just put yourself in my shoes, I was a state rep in Texas. So as a state rep, I would have been one of 150 in the House and 31 in the senators so in the Senate in the Texas Senate. 181 of us would have made the decision on who the United States senator for Texas would be, or two United States senators from Texas would be. And so those United States senators, they answered to us as the state legislature. So the state had a stake in making sure that the federal government did not overreach and step on our turf. The House, on the other hand, in Washington, D.C., is elected directly by the people. This was the genius of the founder's design. So if you picture Congress and just think of that congressional building and just kind of split it in half and say, okay, one half of this building has direct representation from the people, and therefore they're going to make their decisions specifically on what the mass of, of individuals in their district would say to them about that decision. The other half of the building, the other half of the power in this branch, the, 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 the legislative branch, answers directly to the state legislatures. So now with that kind of a picture of how the power was spread out, imagine that the Congress in Washington, D.C. says, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we had a Department of Agriculture where we could help farmers, where we could pay farmers not to farm, where we could decide which crops should be planted, where we could micromanage how agriculture was going to happen in Texas and, and in Oregon and in every state. We, the wise swamp dwellers of Washington, D.C., know better than everybody else. We think we should make those decisions. Let's create a Department of Agriculture at the federal level. Well, as soon as they start talking about that at the federal level in Congress, both in the House and the Senate, guess what would have happened if the 17th Amendment didn't exist? I was a state rep. I sat on the Ag Committee in Texas. I would have been on the phone with the United States senators from Texas saying, uh-uh, buddy, don't you dare create that Department of Agriculture at the federal level. We have a Department of Agriculture at the state level doing just fine. Our Ag Commissioner Sid Miller is doing a fantastic job here in Texas. Our Ag Committee here in the House and in the state Senate, we're doing just fine keeping an eye on this. We don't need any federal bureaucrats making the decisions for Texas. And guess what the folks in Oregon would have done? Exact same thing. Called their U.S. Senators and said, you want to stay a U.S. Senator? Don't you dare create that agency. It's not enough to say, I don't want you to do it. It takes political power. And so if that U.S. senator was beholden to the state legislature back home, then the state power would have been protected and the federal power would not have expanded. This is why if you look at the growth of the federal government, it's like a hockey stick curve growth. And the inflection point is 1913. It's at the point where the states no longer had the authority over those U.S. senators. You no longer could hold them in check because now that U.S. senator would say to a state rep, hey, you're one vote out of 30 million, not one vote out of 181 people. So you don't have any more say than anybody else. So now the state legislature has no power. It has no oomph. It has no ability to keep the Senate in check, which would have killed that bill creating the Department of Agriculture or the CDC, the Center for Demented Confusion, or any of these other agencies that are unconstitutional. It was a horrible year for the Constitution because that's also the year 1913. That's when the 16th Amendment was ratified, too. Remember that one? Yep, income tax. Now, Constitution allowed for an income tax, but it had to be evenly apportioned. Uh, you didn't. Have, it wasn't a progressive tax. You couldn't punish people based on their behavior using taxes. Basically, it was almost like a capitation tax. Anyway, 1913, you get the income tax amendment and the... Um, the popular election of senators instead of being elected by 
by the legislature. So that was that was the first thing that caused all of this stuff to get out of control. But you still had another buffer. Remember how the founding fathers, remember this idea you learned in civics? Hopefully you had civics classes in school. Uh, remember this idea of separation of powers. So the whole thing about Montesquieu and spirit of the laws, the whole thing about Jeremiah 17, 9 out of the Bible, the heart is evil, no man can know it. And the founders said, because of that, we're going to spread the power out as much as possible. We don't want a king. We don't want an individual to have too much power. We don't want a branch to have too much power. We don't want the president to have all the power or the legislature to have all the power or the court to have all the power. We want to spread it out. Now, they're not equal. There's no such thing as three equal branches of government, even if they taught you that in school. Read the Federalist Papers. Read the Constitution. The legislature is the most powerful. Absolutely. President's the second most powerful. Court was always the least most powerful. I mean, least powerful. It was it was always intended to be the weakest. They write about this in the Federalist Papers. Uh, they've, of course, elevated themselves to now be the final say on every law in America. So now the court is the most powerful. We've inverted. We've totally inverted it upside down. And that's why we live under the Constitution right now not the Constitution. And so whatever the judges say the federal government can do, they get to do. And that's what happened over the last 90 years or so. They rubber stamped every expansion of the federal government using a distorted view of the Commerce Clause. And that's why you have a Department of Agriculture paying farmers to not farm on 22 million acres. Just want a visual of how big 22 million acres is? 22 million acres is 35,000 roughly square miles, 35,000 square miles. Now, just to get an idea of how big that is, that would be, let's see, uh, I got my little chart here. That would be Rhode Island, all of Rhode Island, all of Delaware, all of Connecticut, all of Hawaii, all of New Jersey, all of Massachusetts, all of New Hampshire. Combine all of those, and that's how big we're talking about. That much land is being set aside and controlled by the federal government and we're paying people not to farm or if you want another visual of that it's much bigger than south carolina all of south carolina like every square inch of south carolina it's essentially the exact same size as the entire state of indiana every square inch of indiana that's i mean just picture that and we're paying for that land not to be farmed instead of it being productive, instead of those farmers being able to make money in the marketplace on it and you and I get more food out of it and the entire world benefit from it, government friction. Government, when it's outside its lane, is a curse, not a blessing. And we, the people, are the ones that have to get it back inside its lane. All right, got another article I'm going to talk about if we have time, but I love going to the phones. We got some calls, so let's let's pick up a couple of those calls real quick. And if you want to be a part of that, 888 589 8840 is the phone number, 888-589-8840. First question is Julio in Texas. Julio, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, I hear you, Julio. You got a comment or question for us today? Oh, yeah, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about your elected official this year in Texas. I'm from out of Texas, man. And, uh, you know, what, what do you think as far as uh, – are we able to recover any of the money that we send to a different country? Like, how does that work? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'd like yeah. to see about reimbursement, and I'd like to ask <laughs> about that. And, uh, yeah, just probe it to your personality, man. Uh, I didn't know about that. I'm glad to hear another Texan on the radio, you know? Hey, man, I appreciate you listening, Julio. Thank you for listening to American Family Radio, and, and thanks for listening to AFA at the Core this afternoon. I appreciate you calling in, too. Uh, short answer is, you know, no no, no rebates, none that I've ever heard of ever actually happening. Um, unfortunately, we write those blank checks, or not quite blank, but almost blank, to all these countries around the world. And and, and, I, and I'm okay with, with a limited amount of 
foreign aid and, and being involved. You know, there's some things we just have to do for our own national security, but it, it just like everything else with government, it gets out of hand and there's no check. And when there's no check and balance, they just waste, waste, waste. Um, so unfortunately, no, the billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, we do not get back. And and it's pretty much the same thing with um, virtually, virtually every. And I, and I know there's exceptions and everybody, somebody's going to point out, yeah, well, this five million dollars got got paid back. I think there was, you know, some of the covid money's getting paid back. We'll see what percentage ultimately gets paid back. But when you dump 10 trillion dollars on the market, you create inflation. So all the problems we're facing right now, again, government created problems. Government's not so the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. Government created the supply chain issues we have right now. Government created the inflation that we have right now. All of these problems are the result of bad policy. Now, that doesn't mean we have to just get mad and despair and give up and just curse the TV or whatever. No, we use our brains. We're not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, that sound mind. We're going to look at what's happening and go, hmm, what's causing that problem? I see this problem of inflation. I see this problem of I'm at the gas pump and I'm trying to fill up my truck and it's 100. I filled up my truck the other day, $125. $125. You know what was worse? I had to fill up the gas cans for our lawnmowers and our, our, our all of our kind of ranch equipment stuff. I filled up five gas cans, another 125 I spent 250 bucks at the gas station in like 15 minutes. I couldn't believe it. 250 bucks. Okay, what's causing it? it? It doesn't just happen out of thin air. It's not the war with Russia and Ukraine. Not at all. Gas was going up. Energy prices were going up every month of the Biden administration from the time he was sworn in. Why? Because on day one, what's causing the problem? On day one, bad policies produce bad results. On day one, he says no pipeline. On day one, he says no drilling. Within months, he's he's killing tens of thousands of jobs in the ener- energy sector and preventing us from drilling on our own land and on our nation's own land. Here's another problem, government owning all this land out there. But when you prevent drilling, when you prevent uh, pipelines, when you do all these things, what it's basic economics. You're shrinking the supply, and therefore, with the demand still going up, the prices go up. And so then you dump $10 trillion on the market. And by the way, that's Trump and Biden. You can't just blame Biden for that. Donald Trump oversaw the first year of COVID and the ridiculous amount of money that got wasted and paying people to stay home and all the regulations. It was out of the Trump White House that this foolish six foot social distancing, six feet was made up on the spot. Read Scott Atlas's book. He was in the room. They made it up <laughs> out of thin air. No science. No. I mean, they just yeah, about five feet. No, let's do six. Let's eight feet. To, yeah, let's just do six feet. I don't know how much money's been spent on these silly stickers that you see on the ground everywhere you go in restaurants and stores and everything. Six feet. (laughs) I was getting in the hotel elevator the other day and there's signs on the elevator wanting you to social (laughs) social distance, six feet social distancing in the elevator. They had a picture of two people standing in the far corners from each other and saying that's what you need to do when you ride the elevator. We have lost our ever loving minds. We're the most highly educated idiots in the history of mankind are running this nation. Okay. I don't even know where I was going with all that. I got a little excited. Uh, I, I, these, these subjects definitely get me excited. So great call Julio. Nope. We're not going to get the money back. The damage is done. Uh, the only thing we can do is look at all these bad policy. I mean, bad results, trace it back up, follow it, follow it up the chain of command that comes from bad policies. Bad policies come from bad elected officials that, and then where do bad elected officials come from us, us, we are responsible. We, the people ultimately are responsible. So we got to make better decisions. We got to be more involved in the process. 
Uh, not only do we go vote in November, we get involved in the primary and you get to set the table for everybody else. When you get involved in a Republican or Democrat primary, then you're helping to decide who everybody else is going to vote for in November. So the more you get involved in the system, the more you get to be part of the solution. The system works, but we have to work the system. Okay, that was way too long a response to one phone call. Let's try. Let's get another one. Mark in Iowa. Mark, thanks for calling in, man. Good afternoon. I heard you mention earlier about the way our senators are elected and how they used to be elected and how they're elected today. This has always been a pet peeve of mine. It was changed because of the progressives wanting to convert our republic into a democracy. Yep. Yep, Mark, you're right on, man. You're right on. And and think about it. It it, it literally, if there's a scale, if we're looking at a, uh, I don't know if scale's the right word, but basically, you know, on one end, you've got pure democracy, which is where we would all get together and vote on every issue. And and the founder said that was mobocracy, pure democracy, they said was bad. On the other end is an actual constitutional republic where you not only elect representatives to go make decisions, but you limit the decisions they can make by what you say on paper is their power and their authority. And so as the United States, we started off as a really solid constitutional republic. And when we every, everything we've done for the last hundred years has moved us on that scale towards democracy. And one of those things, the biggest thing is exactly what you just said. Instead of the legislature choosing the U.S. senators, the, the, you moved a popular vote of the people. You haven't moved all the way to democracy. That's still a republic, and it's still a constitutional republic. They're still limited by the Constitution. Supposed to be. They're not really, but they're supposed to be. Uh, but you've, you've, create, you've gotten rid of one of the buffers, one of the things that would cause your constitutional republic to have checks and balances. And so you're moving down the slot. You're sliding down the scale is the word I'm looking for. You're sliding down the scale to more of a, of, of a democracy. Mark is 100% right. And the progressives wanted pure democracy. That's why they got, they did the, the 17th amendment. And, and some States had already started acting like they had a 17th amendment. And what the legislature would do is they would have a popular vote for us Senator. And then the legislature would rubber stamp that and officially under the constitution prior to the 17th amendment, uh, choose that particular Senator. Um, so unfortunately it was not just the congressmen that, that proposed that amendment or the states that ratified that amendment. It was we, the people, moving towards that pure democracy. Mark, another uh, another area they want to move towards democracy and away from a constitutional republic is the Electoral College. They want to get rid of it. They don't like these checks and balances that give states power, that give states input. So we need to protect those things, folks. I would say as a side note as we're going to break, protect the Electoral College. Make sure that your state does not join this national popular vote thing that will move us more towards pure democracy it's a bad bad idea quick break we'll be right back you're listening to afa at the core pastor the time has come to make a decision will you ignore the homosexual agenda and watch people wither or will you boldly proclaim what the bible says and bring people to spiritual health Dr. Michael Brown says you have a sacred responsibility to help them. In his article, Pastors, You Cannot Be Silent, Dr. Brown exposes how the enemy is working to make evil appear good and shows just how important it is for people to hear God's truth. Please read this article today at afa.net slash the stand. 
What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Abraham Hamilton III, host of The Hamilton Corner. American Family Association is on the front lines in the culture war in America. We've been here for more than 40 years fighting for the biblical principles our nation was founded upon. And by God's grace, we are making a difference. One significant way you can join us in this battle is through a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. Not only will the charitable gift annuity benefit you, but it will benefit the culture-transforming work of American Family Association. Contact the AFA Foundation today to learn how you can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting American Family Association. A charitable gift annuity helps you, and it allows AFA to impact America for generations to come. Phone 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. You can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings, very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Thanks for staying with us today. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. Uh, looking forward to being with you every Tuesday and Thursday here on AFA at the Core. And if you'd like to participate in today's program, you can call in at 888-589-8840. We've been talking about some of the um, problems created by government. That government is not the solution to our problem, but the uh, government is the problem, as Ronald Reagan said in his 81 inaugural. And just a couple examples, the baby formula crisis caused by the FDA, the food shortages and and supply chain issues caused by overreach of the of the federal government. And just the interesting article uh, from a buddy, Rick Manning, uh, over Daily Torch uh, today. Actually, he didn't write the article. It's his website. Somebody else wrote the article. But anyway, um, about the fact we got 22 million acres of farmland out there that we're paying people not to farm. And uh, just for the visual of how big that is, that's the entire state of Indiana, every square inch of it. It's almost all of Virginia. It's almost the entire state of Kentucky or Ohio or Tennessee. I mean, that's a lot of land, folks. That's just insane. Okay, let's go back to the phones. We got uh, Yeoman in uh, Iowa. Also, in, or uh, let's see. No, let's see. Yeoman is in Iowa. Two calls from Iowa in a row. I don't know if that's ever happened to me. 
two calls from Iowa. It must be because I've been talking about farmland. I might have even threatened ethanol. Woo, that'll get you in trouble in, in Iowa. Yeoman, how you doing? Very good, sir. Thanks for taking my call. You uh, bet. Catch, catch your breath. I've got a story, a short story, <laughs> true story, and the result. Wait, I'm going to take a drink of coffee and catch my breath. Go for it, man. Okay. Uh, I grew up uh, far, on a farm here in, in western Iowa. I moved to Texas in the late 80s. I farmed uh, between Austin and Bastrop for about 25 years. And while I was down there, while I was living down there, I, I went to the University of Texas Law Library to do some research on the Social Security program, trying to figure out a way to keep from having to put my kids in that program. And during my research, reading the original documents, some of the original documents of that time in uh, FDR's administration, I came across a discussion on when they were starting the first farm programs, you know, the Agricultural Adjustment Act and various other programs that they instituted during FDR's reign. And I'll never forget a quote, and this is an exact quote, it was burned in my brain, the, the, the people, the bureaucrats that were discussing it at the time said, we have to come up with a way to get farmers to start eating from the government trough. Wow. Wow. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Uh, it's so true. And now look at how they've done that in virtually every other industry. How, how many industries now depend on the government trough? And what does that do for the government? It gives them power, gives them control over the market, over individuals, gets, allows them to control decisions. Ah, Yeoman, great call, man. I'm so, I'm so glad you shared that. And by the way, you would have been farming just an hour from my house, man. You were just on the other side of Austin for me. I'm in Dripping Springs, Texas. So uh, I don't know why you would leave God's country and go back to Iowa. But no, Iowa's God's country, too. This whole nation's God's country. We're blessed here in America, despite all these flaws. I want to make sure I, I always emphasize that. You know, sometimes I get off on these tangents because I get righteously angry about how people have twisted this nation into a pretzel and away from what the, the founders intended it to be, especially when I see the, the decadence and the, the just horrific things happening with uh, to children right now uh, with these drag queens and all this other nonsense. So I get righteously angry sometimes. I, I, I kind of I kind of rant for a little while. I want to make sure I always come back and say, look, you know what? God's system still works. The principles of liberty still work. We just got to realize what's happening and we got to go back to implementing the principles of liberty. We got to be educated. We got to, you know, ignorance is curable. And most all of these things that we're dealing with are because of civic and biblical. Not most all of these things we're dealing with are because of civic and biblical ignorance. You got to know the truth. The truth will set you free. But you got to know the truth. And we've got hard work ahead of us, folks. We've got a nation that needs to be educated that needs to fall in love with freedom again, needs to fall in love with the concept of the free market and liberty and stop relying on government to save you. We've been willing as a nation to give up our liberty for this false sense of security or safety that leads to tyranny every time you always lose both. And the most important thing you can fall in love with, if you want to save liberty, you got to fall in love with God's word. When you're in God's word, you will find the answers to everything that's happening in your life. All of the personal issues, the business issues, the church issues, the community issues, and yes, our national issues. All the answers are there. But we the, we the people that are also people of faith, we're not in God's word. Let's just be honest. I mean, it's like, I think Barna's last survey showed 9%, 9, that's 9 out of 100. That means 91% are not in God's word on a regular basis. How can we be the light of the world? 
if we're not tuning in, if we're not plugged into the energy source. All right, getting off on a tangent again, getting God's word if you want to help save America. Let's go to Texas. Pam in Texas. Pam, how you doing? Thanks for calling in. All right, Pam, you still with us? Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. I thought it cut out. Um, no, go for I was it. Calling in. Okay. The reason I was calling in is I had heard on another program about, you know, here in Texas, if Abbott would start producing oil and gas, other states would follow. And my question is, you know, why doesn't he do that? And, and is that something that he can do? And what can people do to get him to do it um, if it is something that we can do? Well, Abbott, Governor Abbott, uh, of course, can't produce any oil himself, but he can get uh, the boot of government off the neck of, of uh, producers and landowners and companies and let the market decide. And, and Texas is pretty good about this. We've got a, um, you know, we're, we're very pro-energy and pro-drilling in Texas. Uh, we've got a, a, a very good, we, we call it the Railroad Commission. It's kind of a misnomer, but it's the one that uh, regulates all of our all of our energy sector and, and a good fact, a good buddy of mine I served with 20 years ago, Wayne Christian is, is, is on there and, and does a great job. But these, um, the, these governors, what they can do is they can, and I think this may be what you're referring to Pam or what you read about what these governors can do is say no to the federal government. They can say, you will not prevent our market in Texas from being able to drill, being able to uh, build pipelines. That's our call. That's our decision at the state level. It's not your decision at the federal level. And enough governors are going to have to stand up to the federal government and say no. Now, there is also a proper, they can only do that, in my opinion, as America's Constitution coach, I'm just telling you, they can only do that during the appellate process of a federal action. And so while you're suing the federal government, uh, for preventing you from drilling, for instance, since that's our, our topic here. Um, while you're suing, you're on appeal. Absolutely, I think a governor has the power to say no enforcement of that unconstitutional edict from this man in the White House that can't even get to the teleprompter. Um, uh, but, but we're not going to follow it while on appeal. I don't believe in single state nullification where you just, you know, thumb your nose at the federal government over everything and just decide on your own what laws are going to be followed or not followed. I think there has to be a proper constitutional process. So while you're suing the federal government over that and secondly, while you're working on the ultimate appeal, which is a constitutional amendment to override the federal government, not a new concept. We did it with the 11th Amendment all the way back to the founding fathers and with several other amendments. You overrule the federal government ultimately by the states getting together and proposing constitutional amendments and then ratifying those constitutional amendments. We call it a convention of states. The website is conventionofstates.com. I'm a big proponent of this, been teaching this for 12 years. Um, absolutely adamant that we cannot save America without doing this. This is the way that states can stand up and say no to the federal government. So that is a really long answer. I'm so sorry, Pam, to your question. And that is absolutely what Governor Abbott and Governor Ducey and these other governors can do is say, we're going to allow the market to dictate in our state, not the federal government, while they sue the federal government and say, you're outside your boundaries. This does not, the Commerce Clause does not give you the authority to tell us we can't drill. Um, and then at the same time, push for a, a convention of states, which Governor Abbott did. I, I know I, I criticize Governor Abbott a lot because I think he's a really lousy governor and was a dictator during uh, COVID. But even lousy governors do good things sometimes. And he did some good things. And 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 still once in a while, if we, you know, if we put enough political pressure on him, he still does some good things. And one of the good things he did was push for convention of states. And so Texas is one of the 19 states that have called for a convention. Uh, we're close in North Carolina. They're going to be number 20, I hope. But we got to get 34 
to call for the convention before we can propose these amendments to overrule the federal government and actually give states the um, autonomy to make these decisions as the founders designed it to be. That's called federalism. That means the federal government only does 17 things specifically listed in the Constitution. Everything else is left to the states and the people. That's specifically what the Tenth Amendment says, by the way. But we need to be living that out a whole lot better. And a convention of states is the way you do it. Great call, Pam. Uh, Pam, thank you for calling in. Okay, next caller is Leanne, and she's calling from Georgia. Leanne, go ahead. Uh, yes, I was just calling to um, tie in with the information about the oil and all that. Uh, what we're dealing with in Georgia is we have a governor that um, promoted uh, the Rivian plant, electric car plant that Soros and Bezos funds, and he's also um, pushing solar panels uh, all over Georgia. We have massive ones on I-75, one around my county, and when I read the article in the paper, he was bragging that it was funding Zuckerberg. Um, so what do you do when you have a governor that pretends to be conservative but is pushing the climate change, and then you have China, you know, they're building like 47-plus coal plants while we're going to be uh, dependent on solar. And the solar panel companies, I looked them up on the Internet, and out of the top ten Six of them are in China. I think one was in Japan. There was only one in the United States in California. Um, and the solar plant around here is being funded by Shell Corporation, and uh, offices are in London and um, San Francisco, their main office, Silicon Ranch. Um, how do you, uh, you know, get a, a governor out of office that claims to have gotten a 73% um, voting when you know that's not even close to possible. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, we have, uh, we need nuclear power, we need more uh, oil refinery plants, we need coal plants. Um, for us to be, I thought sustainable development and ICLEI and all that probably 20 years ago. I remember yeah. our county was doing all the riverfront changes, the rails to trails and all that kind of stuff and the, you know, UN development stuff. And yep. I was the only one out of 34 speakers <laughs> that spoke well, out against it. it. So it's, no, it's it comes, Leanne, it comes, it is. And it, and it comes back to education. Uh, we, we have had an education system for two generations now that has been co-opted by leftists. These cultural Marxists used this, this whole climate uh, hoax. I think it's an absolute hoax. Um, you know, and, and all you got to do is look at the history of it. First, we were going to freeze. Then it was global warming. Now, then they finally de decided, oh, we're just going to call it climate change, which is obviously what happens. The climate changes. And then they're going to blame it on human beings. And it's and it's, and it's all a hoax to, to have power and control. But they've convinced most people in America believe this nonsense because it's from the time they're kids in school. It's constant indoctrination in all of the class. It's in the math class. They constantly are pushing this whole thing. And so, yeah, this whole Green New Deal, which, by the way, is not the Rick Green New Deal. The Rick Green New Deal is that I'm now going to be hosting AFA at the core two days a week. That's the Green New Deal. That's the Green New Deal you can support is that Walker Wildman and Rick Green are teaming up to bring you a great program every afternoon uh, here on, on AFR. But the bad Green New Deal is the one coming out of Washington, D.C., and it's everything that you just said, man. You just, you just touched on so many things. It's also at the local level. These local politicians have bought into this nonsense, and it's all power. It's all control. 
So from a principal perspective, which is what I'm always going to try to do on, on this program is come back to the principal so we can learn from this. From a principal perspective, just ask yourself, who is going to take better care of the property and get and make sure that that property not only produces the best, but lasts the longest? In other words, who's going to be the best steward of the land? The landowner that has a stake in it or some bureaucrat in, in either your state capital or in Washington, D.C. that has no ownership, no stake, doesn't, doesn't benefit if the land does well, isn't hurt if the land does bad. That should be an easy, easy answer, right? It's the landowner. It's called property rights. It's an absolute pillar of freedom. And without property rights, you don't have freedom. And the entire climate hoax, the entire Green New Deal is all about getting rid of property rights. It's all about making sure the land is owned by the collective. Well, guess what happens when the government owns the land? When everybody owns the land, nobody owns the land. That's why you see it get wasted and not used and not produced, not taken care of, not groomed. It's it's it, anywhere in history you go and you see where that's happened. It ends in tyranny. It ends in dest destruction. It ends in famine. It ends in shortages. The principles of tyranny always produce those things. The principles of liberty always produce prosperity and freedom and, and abundance and all of the things that we want. But we got to know what those principles are. That's why we're always talking about it here on the program. If we know what those principles are and, and they're taught to us in the Bible, we learn them through history. And of course, our Constitution, if we actually know it and read it, reflects those things. If we were producing um, uh, principles in our culture, infusing principles in our culture that were based on on those biblical principles, then we wouldn't be dealing with what Leanne's talking about. We wouldn't be dealing with, uh, frankly, these governors that are that are frauds. I mean, look, the, the, you've already passed up the chance there in Georgia to, to, to get a different governor. And unfortunately, you've got a governor that, that rubber stamped all the election nonsense and had a chance to to, to change all that, had a chance to to do the right thing, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in November and December of 2020. I was highly disappointed in your governor on that not shocked at all that he would be part of the whole climate hoax thing my governor tries to brag about doing stuff like that too we got all this wind power stuff that's um you know it's just it it, it became a disaster you probably heard the stories of, of the freeze here in texas and the people that died and uh let the market decide every time government gets involved in those things it messes them up government should only do the things that only government can do and that we the people have authorized it to do Thanks for listening today. I'm Rick Green. You've been listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.